What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Wednesday, December 8th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice, and this is What a Day. The best thing to play at your company's holiday party when you want everyone to go home. Yeah, close the open bar, throw on wad. You're going to empty the room in seconds. Even the best office parties, they have to end, you know? And you should be the one to ruin the party. We are your last call. It's absolutely true. So, hey, Wad Squad, we're doing things a little differently today. The What A Day team took part in Crooked's What A Year, a live stream event to raise money for the No Off Years Fund, which supports local elections and local activism. That happened yesterday, so you can rewatch the broadcast now on YouTube to see all of your favorite people at Crooked play games, read headlines, and more. Yes, I did not embarrass myself, uh, we think. Uh, so we're <laughs> going to devote our whole show today to a special interview that's also about how important local elections are, as well as fair representation. As you know, we've been covering the contentious issue of redistricting, which only happens every 10 years after the U.S. Census results are announced. It is extremely important because a single political party could take control of what is otherwise an evenly divided state, and that is often exactly what happens. As we reported about on yesterday's show, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the newly drawn maps in Texas, arguing that they discriminate against voters of color. On top of redistricting, there's also the huge concern over voting rights in general, and the effort to deny voters, especially people of color, the right to cast a ballot. Yeah, it's looking pretty scary. could be pretty bleak Mm -hmm. if we don't figure this out. So we're going to zero in on what these issues look like in a state like mine in Georgia. Republicans have taken several steps to stay in control, despite the clear signs that it's become a true battleground state. Democrats have edged out Republicans in the last presidential race and the two most recent U.S. Senate races as well. So that's why Democratic state lawmaker B. Wynn has stepped up to run for Georgia's secretary of state and oversee the integrity of its elections. And so we've invited her to be here with us. So, B., thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. So what are your worries about the future of elections in Georgia and politics in Georgia if someone like yourself isn't making sure that elections are free and fair? Well, you know, I'm worried about our democracy as a whole. And when I'm looking at what's happening in Georgia, I also know that it is not a silo. It is happening in many other states across our country. Um, But Georgia is certainly an important part of it. So what I tell people all the time is, look, this is no longer just about our single state. If there is one secretary of state installed who is radical, like Jody Heiss, for example, who is running in Georgia, who uh, wanted to decertify the results of the 2020 election, Mm -hmm. then we are in huge trouble because it's no longer about trying to delegitimize the results of the 2020 election. It's setting us up for 2024, where Georgia could very well be the deciding state. And if we install a secretary of state who is anti-democratic and refuses to certify the results of the election, then that is going to impact our entire country as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and let's talk about redistricting for a moment because Republicans fully control the process. Uh, They've given themselves the advantage to hold a majority of seats in the state's General Assembly and congressional delegation. 
So what has that meant specifically for people of color in Georgia? Well, we knew that this was to be expected, right? I mean, we're looking at a legislature controlled by Republicans on both the House and Senate side, and every single statewide seat is held by a Republican, and they control redrawing the maps. And so we expected it to be iterations of maps that were not supported by both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what is specifically troubling is when we're looking at a place like Georgia, we have gained a million people over the last 10 years, and all of them are people of color. Mm -hmm. And we are not seeing that reflected in our maps. And in fact, when we look at the congressional maps, we are looking at a reduction of one house seat where they targeted Lucy McBath. Um, and drew her out of her district, basically. And then on the House and Senate side, um, more specifically, we did not see them add one single new majority-minority district on the Senate side, and in fact turned a majority-minority district currently held by Senator Au into a majority-white district. And so we're not seeing that equitable representation across the board. And I think even more dangerous is the lack of competitive seats. Mm. We are going to see increased polarization um, with no ability to compromise. And we are going to continue to see that um, if you live in a certain district that's non-competitive, you are just not going to have a chance of having somebody who represents the same values as you do. As you know, Republicans have been claiming that this was a very transparent redistricting process. Do you think that that's true? Can you talk a little bit about what parts of the process were not transparent? Yeah, I mean, when they were hosting these statewide hearings, there were many limitations that were put in place. Mm. For instance, there were no maps. So if you were to show up as a citizen, you could not testify to the actual draft of the map itself. Um, The other portions were you couldn't ask any questions. So you could show up for public Mm. testimony, but it wasn't necessarily true that any members of the committee would have to answer any of your questions. And then I think something that was glaringly obvious was just the inequity in terms of not hosting any hearings in our major metro Atlanta counties like Gwinnett, like DeKalb, Mm -hmm. the lack of language Mm -hmm. access. And we're looking at a state where total combined population of AAPI and Latino people in our state is close to 15%. And not one single town hall was conducted in any other language than English. And there were repeated calls for in-language access, and those were denied. Right. I want to talk about the redistricting bills again. They have been passed by state lawmakers on their way to be signed by Governor Brian Kemp. But are there any legal challenges, and could they come soon enough to bear an impact before the 2022 elections? There will certainly be litigation. And I think that there will be multiple lawsuits coming from different groups. And I don't feel optimistic that those will be settled before the 2022 election. Mm. So the maps that we see now are probably the maps that are going to be in place for election season. We still are protected under the 1965 Civil Rights Act, Section 2, specifically about diluting the voices of people of color. Uh, Again, like when you look at the fact that a million people of color were added to our population and that is clearly not reflected in the map, I'm more hopeful that we will be able to be successful in a legal challenge when it comes to that. When it comes to voting restrictions, the state passed several earlier this year after kind of Donald Trump's real focus on Georgia um, when he was claiming that the election was stolen. The state passed several voting restrictions that took effect in time for this November's races. So what can you tell our audience about them and how they have impacted the right of Georgians to cast a ballot? I would say that the restrictions put in place around absentee ballot voting, we actually saw 
what that looked like and how it impacted a voter's ability to have their ballot counted. So there are restrictions in terms of the time period in which you can actually submit the request for an absentee ballot and when you can receive the absentee ballot. All of those deadlines were shortened and compressed. And so what we saw was people who never got their ballots. And then what we also saw were ballots that were sent in late um, and didn't count, which is pretty typical for absentee ballot voting in a state like Georgia, where it has to be received by election day, not postmarked by election day. And then the restriction of secure drop boxes, mm. where you were not able to actually use a drop box the days leading up to the election. They were only available during the early voting period, and they were only inside at an early voting location. So no more getting off of work late and dropping your ballot off when you got off of work. No more being last minute and saying, look, the election's on Tuesday. I have my ballot. I'll drop it off on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. You can't do any of those things anymore. Um, but certainly the biggest impact that we saw was a shortened time frame that condensed the voters' ability to request an absentee ballot. And the AJC actually wrote an article about it and said that of the number of people who requested an absentee ballot and did not receive them, I think it was only 29% of those people who actually decided to show up at the polls and vote in person. Mm. Wow. I mean, I think for people who don't live in Georgia, it's important to kind of underscore that it wasn't like it was super easy <laughs> to vote here before. Yeah, and I think that what's lost in this conversation is how many people get disenfranchised by some of these rules, right? I mean, when you look at the number of absentee ballots that are not counted, if you looked at the 2020 numbers, both in the primary and the general, the overwhelming number of ballots not counted were ballots that arrive late. And this is happening at the same time as the post office being dismantled and when the media covers this, nobody says, look, thousands of ballots were not counted because they arrived late. They're still honing in on the messages of the big lie or mm -hmm. one or two cases that don't reflect what's actually going on. We haven't been able to overtake that narrative of, look, the biggest problem is actually people are voting and their ballots aren't counted because they're not arriving in time. And that's thousands of voters versus all the other things that are talked about. Right. We have a lot more to discuss with B. Wynn about the future of voting in the state of Georgia, along with her campaign for Georgia's Secretary of State. Yeah, so stay tuned. We'll be back with more of our conversation after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants 
are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WAD. And we're back. We have with us Buin, a member of the Georgia House of Representatives, to talk about redistricting, voting rights, and ensuring fair elections. I want to talk for a second about the Republican incumbent, Brad Raffensperger, the current Georgia Secretary of State. While he resisted President Trump's demands to find him more votes from the 2020 election, he actually blamed the idea that an election could be stolen essentially on Stacey Abrams. Here he is on MSNBC in early November. She lost the state of Georgia in 2018 by 55,000 votes. She questioned the legitimacy of our elections. She actually then set the table, along with all the leaders, national Democrat leaders that supported Stacey Abrams in her big lie, and set the table for President Trump then just to ramp it up and take it to the next level. Yeah, so for those listening, there is a lot uh, that people have been raising their eyebrows at here. Um, But what do you think (laughs) is the actual root cause for people's distrust for the electoral system? I want to first say this. It's a total false equivalency, and it's irresponsible to suggest that Stacey Abrams using litigation to challenge restrictive voting laws is the same as people making up lies to overturn the results of the election. And quite Mm -hmm. frankly, I'm disappointed that he is being painted as some sort of national hero. I was on the ground in 2018, and a lot of the, the issues that were litigated in court were very valid issues. An example is in Gwinnett County, we saw that absentee ballots were being rejected at a much higher rate than other counties. And when we looked at the numbers, voters of color were being targeted more often than not. That was litigated in court. And that court litigation yielded a process for voters to cure our absentee ballots if they are rejected for signature match or you forgot to sign your ballot. That enabled both parties, and both parties did this, to create canvassing efforts to ensure that voters understood how to fix your ballot if you are flagged. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between 2018 and 2020. 
2018 was legitimate issues on the ground that were identified and litigated. Some issues were won in court, some were not, but they clearly had evidence to show that these were problems that were stemmed from the laws that we made in Georgia versus a bunch of lies, Mm. and they were lies, to overturn the results of the election. You can't even compare the two things. And um, what are the most important things that you do differently uh, than Raffensperger if elected? You know, it could be about restoring trust in that system. Any Anything else that you were thinking? It's a multi-pronged strategy, right? It is about restoring trust in the system. And that absolutely has to happen by electing people who don't sow the seeds of doubt, mm. right? So Raffensperger is somebody I, you know, call a double speaker because on one hand, he says, there was no voter fraud. We have the most secure election in the state of Georgia. And then on the other hand, he's like, oh, no, but we need the Senate Bill 202. And also we need to take over Fulton County Elections Board. And he continues to give oxygen to the premise that the election was flawed. He just uses a different mechanism to do it in order to garner favor with Trump supporters who will actually never support him again. So removing folks who continue to predicate on that lie is really important. I also think it is investing in voter education and outreach. We currently have a secretary of state who does not believe it is the responsibility of the secretary of state itself to work in good faith to help voters understand the way in which the law has changed. Now, when you think about Raffensperger, in 2020, he was sending around folks from the SOS to polling precincts, and one of them showed up at one of the polling precincts in my district with a firearm in his hip to go inside and tell poll workers to remove all food and water. And everybody was scared. And that is a tactic to instill fear in poll workers, but also voters. That should not be the case at all. The Secretary of State's office needs to be a place that educates voters and provides them with the necessary information to ensure that they can vote and that they have confidence that their vote will be counted. I also think that we have to tackle this massive election disinformation campaign that is impacting Georgians and everyone across the country. As Secretary of State, I would build a division that solely focuses on election disinformation, cybersecurity, and foreign interference. And part of that methodology is when a threat is identified to brief all 159 local election boards on what those threats are and how to mitigate those, but also send a representative to the communities at libraries, chambers of commerce, and build those partnerships so that people on the ground will start recognizing that the Secretary of State is on their side. And so there's certainly a lot of things that I would do different from Raffensperger. What you've seen in Georgia is something many voters elsewhere are experiencing as well. So what's your advice on how they can get better involved to make change and influence the people making these decisions? Well, I think this is a long-term investment, right? It can't be about one candidate or one election cycle. And it is a lifelong commitment to preserving our democracy. And so, you know, I think that absolutely we need to keep pressure on Congress to pass federal voting rights protection. I was in D.C. a couple times this year to call for that, um, including a couple months ago where 25 of us were arrested 
The first time there was civil disobedience, it was five people being arrested. The next time when I was there, it was 25 of us. And the last time they did it was over 200 people. So continuing to make that call for federal voting rights protection is critical to it. Second, I think obviously ensuring that you can invest in candidates who are going to be pro-democracy candidates at every level of government. You know, the other side of the aisle knows this very well, and they have a really coordinated and sophisticated campaign to tackle every level of government, including our school boards, and they are making ground on that. So we need to pay attention to every single office and make sure that we are supporting people in those places who are pro-democracy candidates. I think something that has been incredibly helpful also has been the infrastructure on voting protection. I have done voter protection work as a poll monitor and as a ballot curer, and those are the unsexy things that we all need to do collectively in order to mitigate the damage that we're seeing with voter suppression laws. Um, And then invest in the organizations in your own state and in your local area who will have infrastructure on the ground, rooted in community, and will stay there after an election cycle and who will do the engagement 365 days a year, even if there is not an election that particular cycle. And I think it's just the recognition that we are in this for the long term, that democracy is not guaranteed that we have to actively be committed to preserving it every single day and that our country is not one that is incapable of sliding backwards. And I think that's probably one of the biggest mental and emotional blocks that we face where we are seeing the red flags on the wall, all the warning signs are there for folks who are paying attention to it. The alarm bells are there, but I think For the most part, we want to believe it would never happen to America. And because we have that mental and emotional block, we let our guard down around it. But the reality is we're in a place where the decisions that we make now around our democracy are going to impact us indefinitely. We only have a few chances left to get this right. And if we pass up those handful of chances, we will be in a constitutional crisis indefinitely. Yeah, that is scary and sobering, but we are glad that people like you are fighting the fight. So thank you so much, B, for joining us. That's B. Wynn, Democratic state lawmaker in Georgia and a candidate for Georgia's Secretary of State. Yeah, and we're going to link to more resources in our show notes so you can find out about how you can get involved in your own local races, how to guarantee fair elections where you are plus the stream of Crooked Special What a Year. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, add our podcast to your office holiday party playlist, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just mean text messages about your song choices at the office holiday party, <laughs> like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and check, check out, out What a, a year. year. It's awesome. I'm not lying. It'll help me feed my family. Even if you don't care about Gideon's family, you should check it out. Yeah. Even if you want my family to freeze in a Siberian work camp for the rest of time, you should still watch What a Year. We're getting more loopy as the end of the year approaches. So please forgive us. Bye.
What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.